Welcome to Add Passion and Stir, Big Chefs, Big Ideas. This is the Share Our Strength podcast about people who are changing the world. I'm your host, Billy Shore. It's amazing when you realize how central food is to so many things that we care about. It affects our health. We see kids with nutritionally related problems, many of them overweight, even though they're undernourished. It affects our ability to learn. She had to make sure she had lunch in the classroom because at the end of the day, that was going to be all she got. Food security affects our strength as a nation. Within arm's reach are people who are hungry, and there is a anxiety and a stigma attached to that. Joining me here today in Washington, D.C., two leaders who have each in their own way demonstrated the tremendous power that a citizen can have in changing the world. And by citizen action, I don't mean just volunteering, as important as that is, so much as bringing a citizen's perspective to bear to leverage change in our public institutions. While they work in different spheres, both have a special focus on ensuring that our children are getting the education they need. So I'm here with John Bridgeland. John leads Civic Enterprises, an organization that creates all kinds of opportunities for young, old, everybody in between to serve in this country. And he co-chairs the Franklin Project at the Aspen Institute, which is an initiative to create uh, many opportunities for volunteer service across all demographics and all components of our country. He's also the co-convener of Grad Nation, which is a very important organization working on educational opportunities for our children. And he served as the deputy director at the White House Domestic Policy Council, assistant to President Bush. Also with me, Jeff Mills currently runs Genuine Foods, a company working nationwide with school districts and government agencies, nonprofits, food service companies to improve the food that we serve our school children. He's the former director of food and nutrition services for the D.C., Washington, D.C. public school system. He's got the battle scars to, to show it. He's learned a lot of lessons that uh, are applicable here in the nation's capital and all around the country, but started as a restaurateur. So welcome both of you, Bridge. Uh, you're universally go by Bridge, so I'm going to call you Bridge here. Thanks, Billy. Um, uh, Jeff, you started as a, as a restaurateur in New York City yes. and are now here taking what you've learned and applying them to the benefit of children in this country. Mm-hmm. In New York City, we uh, started a restaurant called the Biltmore Room when I was 30. We had a good amount of success. We uh, garnered a three-star review in the New York Times. At some point, it was actually my 30th birthday, uh, Frank came up to me and said, hey, you're, you're living the dream here. This is great. You have celebrities at your birthday party. You have one of the top restaurants in New York. And I completely felt empty by it. Fast forward a couple of years, I was consulting, and someone asked me if I would take a look at the D.C. public schools. I did and was completely horrified at what was being served. No matter what school I went into, they were serving pizza and strawberry milk, no matter what was on the menu. So that was my point where I was like, I can do something about this. There was, they didn't have the access that they needed. Coming from my background, there was a lot of flow that we worked with restaurants, and we could actually work that in the cafeteria. So that's where I, how I got into food. And we're going to come back to this, but you've been in a kind of a battle, you could call it, with the school system here to change the way they uh, contract for their food service and the quality uh, and the expense that are involved in the meals that they serve to kids. So let's come back to that in a minute. But I want to hear from Bridge. You started in politics, in government, really, right in the heart of it, the White House Situation Room at one point, um, and now working to engage more people in service. Tell us uh, where that where that began? Well, I had this crazy job, you know, running the White House Domestic Policy Council, but it was an extraordinary experience to work with top leaders, people of all different backgrounds, expertise, faith traditions, but particularly focused on disadvantaged youth, young people who, by uh, 
fate or circumstance or various barriers, didn't have the opportunity to have an access to a high-quality education or get a job. And so spending a lot of time with young people. Uh, here in Washington, D.C., we uh, work with the Earth Conservation Corps. Lashante Moore, she was a uh, teenage mother, homeless, uh, no job, no opportunity in life, and you know viewed as a problem to be solved, frankly, by our society. And that young woman connected to the Earth Conservation Corps, a year of national service, uh, was part of a team that brought the bald eagle back to the nation's capital. And uh, through that, that extraordinary experience of working side by side with peers from some of the toughest communities in Washington, D.C., realized that she was potential to be fulfilled and that she had a lot to contribute to her community. And now she's the director of youth engagement of the Earth Conservation Corps, <laughs> giving so many other young people in Anacostia and Congress Heights and Kenilworth and, and these uh, very tough neighborhoods a second chance, a first chance, really, at a life uh, to, to success. And a lot of your work has been about creating more opportunities for young people like her. So talk a little bit about the Serve America Act, the yeah. Corporation on National Service, the Franklin Institute. Yeah, so, you know, in history, it's, it, private citizens have really been responsible for our nation's big ideas, the civil rights movement, the women's rights movement, the national park idea. When President Kennedy in his inaugural um, utters two powerful words, ask not, and it was a signal to the country that it wasn't just government uh, providing to the people, but that he was going to enlist them into a great common enterprise uh, for the country and the world. And so after um, uh, General McChrystal came back from commanding troops in Iraq and Afghanistan and noted that for the first time in history, less than 1% are serving in our military during war, leading to the complacent assumption that serving the country is somebody else's job. He actually called for large-scale civilian national service. And our goal with this new service year alliance, Billy, is to make a year of national service, bringing young people of different races, ethnicities, faith traditions, income levels, geographies, together in common purpose to work on uh, providing access to healthy, nutritious food to young people who need it, tutoring and mentoring young people who might be on the verge of dropping out of uh, their school system, and a whole host of other issues that, that can show how we can knit the country back together at a time of historically low levels of social trust and communities that are fraying in ways where young people discover together, together we can solve problems again. One thing I'd like to ask each of you, uh, we're going to mostly be looking forward, but I want to just step, look backwards uh, or ask each of you two first. You've both talked about disadvantaged youth. You've both talked about and you're both deeply engaged in making a difference for kids in the school system. Jeff, you talked about starting as a restaurateur, but even yep. before that, what were some of the formative influences that uh, led you to respond to this impulse? Were your parents engaged in this kind of work? Did, was it growing up during the 60s, 70s, 80s? Uh, so it was actually relying on the school lunch program myself when I was a kid. Uh, I was in uh, Bowling Green, Ohio. I grew up with a single mother, went back and forth between my mother's house and my grandmother's house, and you know, I relied on the school lunch program. One of the things I remember the most about high school is I went to a small Catholic high school and once a month, all the Italian mothers would get together, come into the cafeteria, and make lasagna from scratch. And no one missed that day of school. As soon as you walked into the school that day, you could smell lasagna cooking. And it just, it was so nourishing, I feel, to everyone. So taking that experience and then fast forwarding 20, 20 years, 30 years, when I first walked into a D.C. public school, it was the difference between seeing 
you know, really feeling like you're taken care of and being nourished and a reason to come to school for some kids that may not have a reason. And then seeing D.C., which was just, as I mentioned before, like pizza and strawberry milk no matter what. And some kids not even having the opportunity to eat because there wasn't enough time in the day. So for me, when I first walked into that school, whenever it was five, six years ago, it really grabbed me and it brought me back to my childhood and how important that was to me. So you had a childhood that both gave you an appreciation for food, but also really a connection to these kids that you're fighting for who need food. Yeah, it sure did. Bridge, how about you? Well, it's interesting. I, you know, I, when I was 16 years old, I was invited to a, a Seder uh, Passover dinner uh, through my church and through the synagogue that had this partnership. And, and I show up to this dinner and they're leaders from the three great Abrahamic faiths, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And, and they're talking about the Jewish tikkum alam the five pillars of Islam and the Christian Beatitudes. And as a young man, I'm sitting there seeing how in the name of faith, the world is tearing itself apart. And yet um, each of these powerful faith traditions had uh, a link of charity and compassion and a tradition of that. And it was the power of food. That was our common language. Mm. That was our common uh, entry point to change the world. And I've often wondered about uh, a Seder fest on steroids <laughs> that might... Uh, help bring people together. My father grew up uh, raised by a single mom who literally during the Depression was, uh, you know, made made biscuits and were peddling them in the streets to raise money and, and was so attuned to dad's education and that was his lifeline to a better life. But we have all these opportunity youth in the country. They used to be called disconnected youth from school and work and because they were so optimistic about their futures and had big dreams just like other kids and represent so much untapped potential you know, we, we, we view them and talk about them differently, and we have to do more to ensure they have the kind of opportunities other kids have. Now, one of the things that people always talk about is who would be against feeding hungry kids. Um, but, and, and in a way, nobody really is. But, John, you've written, Bridge, very compellingly about how even if you're not convinced by the moral arguments for investing in our children in all of the ways that we're talking about, right. they're very powerful economic arguments. Say what those are. Well, I mean, it's if you look at uh, um, the investment you can make early in a child's life, you know, the neurological development from the time the child is born and actually engages and looks at the mother. These nurse family partnership programs that um, uh, old started in Baltimore and he actually built in randomized control trials showed uh, terrific outcomes in terms of the health and development of the child, even the attachment and employment outcomes for the parents. And putting in a regimen for, you know, vaccinations and, and uh, other uh, health care to ensure the, the development of the child is sound, uh, that had such overwhelming evidence that it generated bipartisan support from the Congress and more than a billion dollars in investment. So now we have nurse family partnership programs in 31 states. So I think part of the challenge actually today, Billy and Jeff, is that is to actually summon up the evidence of what's working, kind of a money ball approach for government and equipping members of Congress and policymakers with the, the evidence that um, if they invest in these programs that have good outcomes, you know, the short, medium, and long-term returns are extraordinary. I was in Cleveland you know, with the Ted Ginn Academy, and uh, a little boy, um, um, eighth, eighth grader, came into the school, and uh, he was uh, all out of sorts. He hadn't had a hot meal. He, I later learned he had witnessed domestic violence in the home. And because that school had a system in place to pull him aside, get him a hot meal, and then put him in the um, 
the planning room. <laughs> uh, these kids, there's no way those kids would have done any learning that day without that kind of support and access. The kind of, you know, support Share Our Strength and Jeff and others, you know, around the country is supporting, uh, providing to kids every day. Jeff? Yeah, you know, I couldn't agree more with what Bridge had to say, especially about evidence. Uh, you know, we took a study at TC Public Schools and we start changing the menus over to show that there was a correlation between serving the new meals that we were serving and standardized test scores. And I can tell you, any food director in the country I talked to after that study, that's the evidence they wanted to be able to pass on to their superintendent. Because, you know, I, I still think that, you know, without, uh, I think a lot of people still don't understand the impact that food has on learning, for one. Uh, so I think that's just, it's something that still needs to be proven to a lot of people. So we've got folks who are listening and they're saying, these two guys make some sense. I think I, I think I buy into that. How can people get involved to change this? You, Bridge, have probably personally created more opportunities for people to serve this country <laughs> than, about literally that, than, <laughs> than almost anybody in the country. Yeah. And I should mention that you've written a book called Heart of the Nation, Volunteering and America's Civic Spirit, mm. which is a beautiful book that you were kind enough to send me a copy of way back when. Um, and it really is a little bit of a blueprint for our nation on how to create these opportunities. Talk a little bit about how people can get involved because there are so many different ways, whether it's the Earth Corps, the Food Corps, the yeah. Corporate AmeriCorps. Yeah. Um, so I think it begins actually with the Cathedral Within, which of course <laughs> is your book, uh, which is actually identifying you know what what's your passion? What do you actually believe in? What do you care about? Because I'm not about just having people go into service and not not be connected to something they think is big and bold and, and, and their own belief. So once they find your, you know, your passion, um, every big idea I can think of in American life, including the creation of the Declaration and Constitution, and emerged from citizens and, and people who had big ideas. And so I think uh, we run the risk of thinking small. And I think, you know, I'm working with Sylvia Earle. She's a great oceanographer. She wants to bring the national park idea to our oceans, given that 56% of the United States is actually underwater. That's a big idea. And she's devoted her entire life and her love of fish and creatures and biology and water, you know, to, to build that movement. And then I think through um, a year or more of national service, whether you, you know, you, uh, when Kennedy went to University of Michigan 2 o'clock in the morning after his debate with Richard Nixon, which he won on TV and lost on radio, 10,000 young people were waiting for him. And he issued this offhanded call, and people didn't think it would be serious. And then a scroll emerged from 10,000 students saying that they wanted to serve in his Peace Corps. And that's when he committed to, to launch it. So... It's, it's lighting the tinder in people and then providing them real opportunities to be part of a food corps, an earth conservation corps, an education corps, or to serve in the military. Great things can be done through military service, and, and we view military and civilian service really as two sides of the same coin. Uh, if you think of the, the bumper sticker that says, uh, think global, act local, yeah. um, <laughs> you've had the advantage, Jeff, of actually looking into the eyes of families who want to make a difference for their kids. They know their kids are in a school system with lots of challenges. Mm -hmm. How can they get involved? Particularly, how can they get involved in advancing the work that you've done to provide more nutritious food? Well, I think that, you know, especially if you're looking at school districts, every school district's a little different. And I think the best thing you can do is get in touch with the school food director of the school district your students go to and ask them how you can help, because that's always the best way. It's, depending on where you are in the country, there are many different challenges food directors face, so it's, it's pretty individual. I'd say that 
from the other end of things, when we um, we launched these large 10-foot salad bars in our schools about three years ago, and we put out a direct ask to the community and say, hey, we need help training students on how to correctly use these salad bars and pick the right ingredients so we can get reversible meals. And we had an overwhelming response from the community. People, whether it was you know, food bloggers, uh, local politicians, anyone you can think of, they showed up to be able to come help support. So I think that you know, looking at it from the food director point of view, if you put out a direct ask, you'll often get more help than you may think you can get. The people will respond yes. to that call. Yep. And, you know, one of the things that we've learned at Share Our Strength over the last number of years, particularly with our No Kid Hungry campaign, and it gives me the, the sense of optimism that I think both of the, you share is, and most people don't realize this, we have a, a school food system that was created after World War II by admirals and generals who came back from the war and said our recruits are not fit enough as they need to be. We created school lunch. We created school breakfast. Uh, there's bipartisan support for these programs. They're actually exempt from the automatic budget cuts that got instituted a few years ago known as sequestration. So the, the, it's one of the few things, maybe one of the last remaining things, that the money is there for. So these, these school uh, lunch and breakfast programs uh, can be 100% federally reimbursed. And it's such in the scheme of things, it's so small that, as I say, there's not even a, a bipartisan uh, or a partisan divide over it. So the money is there. Uh, that part's small. But in terms of the life of a child or a family or a school, right. it's huge. Yeah. Um, and so to create the opportunities to make sure we fully optimize that, that we make sure that every kid who's eligible is getting these meals, to me, seems like a, just a huge opportunity. Yeah. Well, thank you both. You've both created a very inspiring tone in this conversation. Um, Jeff Mills from Genuine Foods. You are a champion to many children and families in this city, and I know a lot of other cities are looking at the work you've done here as well. And John Bridgeland, CEO of Civic Enterprises, literally the guru of national and community service in this country. And I assume that in addition to people reading your book, Heart of the Nation, they could go to the Civic Ventures website and find ways to get involved as well. So thank you both for being with us. I'm Billy Shore. Thanks. Thank you, Billy. Thanks, Billy. Add passion and stir. Big chefs, big ideas is the podcast from Share Our Strength. The Share Our Strength community believes that everyone can share in the global fight against hunger and poverty and that in these shared strengths lie sustainable solutions. Today, Share Our Strength focuses these strengths on making no kid hungry a reality in America. Add Passion and Stir is distributed by District Productive. Our senior producer is Carrie Thompson. Our executive producer is Peter Ogburn. Add Passion and Stir is the creation of Billy Shore, Debbie Shore, and Paul Woody Woodhull. I'm Billy Shore. You're listening to Add Passion and Stir from Share Our Strength.